0: What's going on, guys? I've never reposted a podcast before, especially one of my older ones. But because of the untimely death, unfortunately, of Jared Lorenzen, I went back in my archives and I embarrassingly listened to the show him and I did like six years ago. Just a quick background. I started this podcast as a hobby in 2012. I had no idea what I was doing. And I wrote to hundreds and hundreds of people to come on. One of the first people to write back instantaneously was Jared. He's like, I'll do your podcast, but I explained to him, I'm like, I have 50 listeners, 20 family members, 20 friends, and me hitting download 10 times. He told me, you got to start somewhere, kid. I can't wait to do it. Let's do it tomorrow. The next morning, J-Lo messaged me, told me he was excited to do my podcast. No one's ever said that to me, and I knew it wasn't true, but that's the great thing about Jared. He made everyone feel special. Before the show, I wrote to him, and I asked him, Jared, is there anything you don't want to talk about? He told me, Mike, don't ever ask a guest if there's something they don't want to talk about. You got this, man. I know you're going to do great. He was, again, encouraging me, getting my confidence up. But I listened to the interview, and my God, I fumbled through it. I was nervous. I was talking over him. I was giggling. The audio super crappy. I think you're going to hear like the paper ruffling in the background as I try to ask the questions. But here it is, man. And on a side note, after the podcast, he continued to keep in touch with me. And we would text, I would go on my little Kentucky rants, he would message me, and he would always make jokes and I went Hollywood on him, because he didn't come back on the show. Meanwhile, I wanted him on my show a million times, but here's my podcast from six years ago with Jared Lorenzen. Thank you so much for making me feel like we were friends, man. You really helped me out with this podcast, you gave me so much confidence, rest easy big fella. Good
1: evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first show of 2013, riding solo tonight. No Chuck, no LB. Today's guest broke almost every one of his records. Most offensive plays in a career, most yards in a game, I think it was like 525 against Georgia, most total yards for a career, most passing yards for a career, and most touchdown passes for his career. Oh, and he has a little thing called the Super Bowl ring with my New York Giants. Let me introduce the show. I'm honored to interview him. He's one of the most popular backups ever. Number 22 from Kentucky, Jared Lorenzen. Jared, thank you so much for calling the show, my man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. No problem at all. Man, honored to even talk to you, man. I'm glad you wrote back to me on Twitter. It's this is gonna be a privilege, man. Thank you for giving me some of your time tonight. Oh,
2: hey, man, I can't wait. All
1: right. First off, you grew up in Kentucky. Now let me state this: I'm one. I live in New York City. I'm one of the biggest Kentucky basketball fans of all time. You grew up in Kentucky. Foregone conclusion that you go into Kentucky to play football.
2: Uh, yeah, pretty much, especially nowadays. Um, you know, when How Mummy took over, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that if you wanted to throw the ball, you went to Kentucky.
1: Yeah, with that. Also, yeah, right after Tim Couch, the offense was just how much fun was it? Now, did any other oh, schools was, give you offers?
2: It, uh, yeah, I mean, I had other offers to play. Um, you know, I could have went to Michigan State, Wisconsin. Um, the U actually was one of them And uh haven't oh. look back, you never know But, uh, you know, it was It was, um, it was so I couldn't turn down Kentucky, I mean, I was, a. I live about An hour from UK And uh, to play in front of my home state Just meant more to me than leaving and going anywhere else
1: Now, Jared You were a, stand, you were a high school basketball player also Any chance to play walk-on Or did you have any scholarship opportunities To play basketball? Uh,
2: small schools, um a couple of NAIA schools, a couple of D3 schools, but uh, yeah, I'm six foot four. You know, <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere in that sport. I mean, it was it was going to be uh, it was going to be football or bust for me.
1: Okay, now I always ask this to everyone, and I'm privileged enough to interview a ton of different athletes. Was there a moment when you knew that you were just better than everyone else, and like football wasn't just a game for you, but it was going to be a career where you were going to support your family from it? Was there like a defining moment or a game, or when you really knew about it?
2: Uh, you know what? There really wasn't. Um, I didn't. I, I knew my senior year in high school that I was okay. I was pretty good. Um, I never had aspirations – Not aspirations. I never thought I would play in the NFL. I just. I never thought I'd make it there. I thought that, you know, that's my ultimate goal. But uh, you know, even in college, you know, we didn't have the great records. Um, you know.
0: You know, we were 2-9, 2-9, 7-5, and 4-8. and,
2: nine, seven and, five, and, four and eight. So, you know, we weren't that great. Um, you know, I was just hoping to get lucky and catch on with somebody. And, you know, I got really lucky and caught up with, uh, in my mind, the uh, greatest organization uh, in the NFL.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to get to that in a second. Now, I have a question now. Kentucky's a rare university, especially in the SEC, where basketball actually supersedes everything else. How was it being a football star there? Because you were the star of the team, you were the poster boy of it. Everyone knew who you are. Was it tough playing second fiddle to basketball there?
2: No, not at all. Um, because I grew up a an enormous Kentucky basketball fan, so I, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, you don't have many, if you know, maybe Ohio State, you know, something like that that is really good at both at both uh, sports. But we we mm-hmm. knew what we were. And uh, we knew that when we were playing, we were going to make it as exciting as we could for the fans.
1: Which you guys did. And that's why your offense was so fun. You and Tim Couch, just putting up all those points was just so much fun to watch.
2: Well, exactly. I mean, you know, when you're out there, and you know, I was 19 years old and a freshman in college and throwing the ball 56, 57 times a game, (laughs) I mean, I I was by no means Tim Couch. Tim Tim perfected that offense. I just tried to do what I could with it. And, uh... it was it was so much fun, I mean, we were you know chucking the ball over the place, and uh i mean it was just it was so much fun
1: it was fun watching it now, <clears throat> give me your favorite moment non football moment your favorite moment at u k non football or football non football non football moment
2: uh, see i'm gonna cheat here i uh it's pro- it's my daughter um I had her going into my junior year, so I mean, that was probably the greatest moment for me is um, an actual kick in the butt at the same time saying, you know, if you're going to make a career out of this, let's get going. Um, But it was, I mean, having her more than anything kind of straightened me out and uh, put me back on the right path.
1: Now, the Giants signed you in 2006, you go undrafted, which was awesome for me. I'm a rare person in New York City who's a diehard Kentucky fan. I come down to Kentucky two, three times a year. I go to the Final Four last year, then my life, Kentucky basketball. Huge giant fan. Were other teams looking at you to sign you as a backup
2: yeah, or no? It, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of crazy. The draft, uh, if you're in a fifth, sixth, seventh-round draft pick, it kind of sucks. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you, your hopes are going and, you know, your, your phone's ringing, but it's not to draft you. It's just to see how you're doing, and it's it's tough. And um, the seventh round came around, and Kevin Gilbride called me and said, Hey, you know, we obviously we're not gonna draft two quarterbacks in the same draft but uh we would still love to have you up here and compete for a spot. And it was between them, the Titans, um, the Bengals were were the were the big three that were that were real quick and wanting me right away and after talking to my agent, and, you know, Kevin seemed to be the most interested in
1: me. Uh, we thought, well, what the heck, if we're going to go somewhere, let's go somewhere with the number one overall pick, and maybe we'll just go young. Yeah, which was awesome. Now, on the Giants, even though you were backup, you were definitely a fan favorite, especially that preseason game. I think you guys, was it played the Ravens? Is that when you, was it the Ravens game? Uh, when, uh when, which when bar- one, to tell you the, ba- the truth, man, I've been hitting the head. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Ravens game, when you barreled over someone, and that was it. You you became
2: the backup after that. No, I no, that that was the Patriot game.
1: okay. okay uh, that okay. was the
2: Patriot game in, in New York. Um Yeah, yeah, I gotta well, you know, everybody loves the backup until he plays. Yeah. And I just happen to be a little bit, you know, bigger than most backups so okay. in New York man, I fit right in and you know, I I played the part, um I think you have to. You know, especially being in New York, you just gotta love where you are and love what you're doing and you know, I, I, I'm sitting behind a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, so I had the greatest job in the world.
1: Yeah, they always say the backup quarterback, the best job in sports, really.
2: No, oh, it, it, either that a backup kicker. you
1: know, either one, we're both pretty, pretty much to a little gig. Now, listen, I'll be honest. I didn't know you had a kid while you were in Kentucky, but now did you party or hang out a lot while you were in New York? If you did, where were you hanging out?
2: Um, yeah, we did a little bit. I mean, I didn't go to lunch. Um. No, when we did we would stay around Eli's, you know, we were down in Hoboken. Okay. Um a lot. Yeah, we would, we would go down there a lot. That was kind of our spot. Um you, you know, when you, and when you're playing you can't go out like on a Friday and Saturday night. So your night to go not. out is Monday is Monday night. Mhm. And uh we found a bar in Hoboken and I gosh, so like me can't remember the name of it. And it was <laughs> a um it was a Pittsburgh Steeler Bar. All right. And um Right down there by the train, right down there by the water, and we just we went there at just about every Monday, just to watch the Monday night football game and give us something to do. I mean, we really didn't go out and party it real big and do it real big. We just wanted a place to kind of go and hang out as four or five
1: of us and just watch a game and get some food. And you don't you don't remember the name of the bar?
2: I really don't. That's so pathetic. But I went there every
1: time. <laughs> I don't know if do I
2: knew it. what the name of it when I was there.
1: You know what? The only bar I know that's around is, is Texas, Arizona. That's near the... That's exactly what it is.
2: Texas, Arizona. <laughs> yes, it is. damned! Yeah. yeah. We went down there, and, it, I mean, and we would just go down there, and it's so bad. We would just go to piss off the Steeler fans, and <laughs> I mean, to the point where I can remember one night doing the Eagles chant just because they were playing on Monday night. We wanted to make the Steeler fans mad, so... <laughs> We did. How, we were just out there having a good time and, you know, just being young and dumb.
1: How priceless is that? The Giants doing the Eagles chant. That's great.
2: Exactly. Yeah, if anybody actually knew who we were, we yeah. the Giants fans would have killed us, but, uh, you know, I think they got it after just making fun of some Steeler guys.
1: Now, describe that run. You guys played in Lambeau. You, got, you guys weren't supposed to win any of those games. You win in Dallas, in Lambeau, yep. and then obviously being the 18-0 Patriots. Describe that run right. and Can you even
2: describe it? Magical. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. You know, we we go up to, I believe it was Buffalo, in week fifteen, and that win we clinched, and it was the nastiest weather. It was sleeting and raining and snowing, and it was just awful. And uh, Ahmad Bradshaw had a huge game for us, and that clinched our spot. And then we had to play the Patriots in week seventeen. And that was the one is hey are we gonna rest them? Are we gonna arrest our guys or yes, yes, we gonna yes. Do? and uh Coughlin played everybody and w- when we left that game, we're like, hold on that's I mean that's the best team in the na- in the in the world, and we're three point three points less than them. okay, we got a little bit of a shot mm-hmm. uh went to tampa i I figured I mean it's just gonna sound bad, but I figured we'd beat Tampa. Okay. Um, then we went to Dallas, and I was like, "Man, it's really hard to beat a team three times." And they had already beaten us twice, so I was like, "I felt pretty good about that one." And then going to Green Bay, I mean, let's be truthful about it. It was yep. Favre's last year. It's in the cold. It's the NFC Championship game. It's at his place. <laughs> Man, it was negative a thousand. I don't know. I mean, it was so cold.
1: Tom Coughlin's face there is priceless when he's tracing all the chaps.
2: Yeah, it should have frozen off. I don't know. Um, And, you know, just to watch the way Eli and Plexico played that game was just unbelievable. And getting to the Super Bowl, I'll tell you, and it's just I mean, it's going to sound stupid, but going into the Super Bowl, I was, that was probably the most confident I've been about a game is because Eli prepares like no other. And he just, Man, he was on for two weeks. He, he just, he had it. Whatever it was, man, he wasn't missing receivers. He wasn't missing reads. I was like, man, if we can get to Tom, we've got a really good
1: chance. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned the Eli thing. My best friend growing up went to uh, UVA, and him and Chris Canty were roommates. So I have a really good relationship with Canty. He comes on the show all the time. We, I talk to him all the time. And after the Super Bowl last year when they won it, he came on like two days later, and we talked for like two hours. And he said they're so confident behind Eli that he never portrays that he's this cocky player. But he's the most prepared player, and you, every game you think you're going to win because he's so confident, and he just he just gives off that emotion the whole time that you're not going to lose if you're behind him.
2: Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, going it's I mean it's exhausting keeping up with him um, while at the football facility because I mean you know when you get there at 6:30, one he's already there. And it's, you know, it's, hey, you know, we'd eat breakfast together, then we'd go in and it's watch film before meetings. And then, you know, practice would be done, we'd watch more film. And everybody would leave and we'd, you know, it, one day I'd be charting plays while Eli watched it. The next day, uh, Tim, while we're all watching, would be charting plays. I mean, he just wants to know everything, and he does. He just, he finds time to know everything about the other opponent and, it's the best way to do it. I mean, that's that's how you got to prepare yourself, so you know when they throw something at
1: you, he's he's ready. Right now, where's your Super Bowl ring? Right now?
2: Uh, it's actually, I think it's on my kitchen counter. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious.
1: Yeah. Okay, listen. <laughs> yeah, that that's great. Now the Giants release you, and you went to the Colts, yeah. and and you went to yeah. Colts training camp, and you get cut by them. Were you surprised that you weren't picked up after the Colts?
2: Um, I was more surprised that I got cut by the Colts in a mm-hmm. sense of uh, Peyton was hurt, mm-hmm. and they said, and I knew uh, I only needed three games to get my full tender, in, and yeah. I was like, hey, if I get three games, I don't care, that's fine. Um, and they said we'll probably only keep you for a couple games. I said, hey, I completely understand. You know, I just want to go up there and give you guys the you know best backup, yada yada yada. And uh, once I got released from there, it was kind of like a. You know, one of those, she kind of shot to the stomach, like, ah, oh, man, now what? And, uh, yeah, it was a little shocked it went cold, but, I mean, it, it, NFL is not, you know, not for long. So, you know, you've got to kind of pick yourself up and bust yourself off and get going back, uh, with you know, being a normal person and, you know, kind of just you know, living off the memories. <laughs> now,
1: <laughs> now, after that, it's uh, I was reading about it. you went to play indoor football after the Colts.
2: Yeah, yeah, I played some. I played some arena ball.
1: Uh, okay. You... Why not? It was in Lexington. Yeah.
2: So I, I played some arena ball there. I uh, had a great time, and it got me back uh, into the community. Um, that's okay. one of the big things I did, is, especially when I was in New York. Um, my my parents, or my my mother and stepfather, are um, firemen, paramedics. So anything I could okay. do with the NYPD or any, you know, the Fire departments up in New York, we would do, and this one got me doing that as well. So I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity to do anything for them. You know, If I could do it, I was there.
1: Of course. Now, let me ask you a question. This is a lot of attention is always made about your weight, the hefty lefty, all Uh the
2: stuff.
1: (laughs) Now, does that, two things, did that ever bother you? And were you ever told too slow, too heavy? Was that told your whole life? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I. I've told the
2: story. I mean, I came out of the. I was born, I was 13 pounds, three ounces. Okay. So, from the get go, I've been huge. Um, <laughs> and I was, you know, it goes all the way back to when I was getting recruited in high school. You know, um, Ohio State, hey, yeah, we'd love you as a defensive end. Um, you know, Purdue, yeah, we'd love you as an offensive lineman. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not bred that way. I'm just big. I mean, that, that's all it was. And, yeah, from the from the time I was, you know, five and six playing football, it was, well, you can't make it, you can't do this. And it just kind of puts that chip on your shoulder of, okay, I'm not only going to prove you wrong, and then when you do make it, it I mean, there's part of you, you just want to go back and say, I told you. I knew I could. Mm-hmm. And then with the, with the nicknames, I – I kind of came to a road, a part in my life where I'm like, look, I can either get really upset about this or have a lot of fun with it.
1: And oh, you had fun with
2: it. You loved it. Oh, yeah. My personality is you know what? If you can't laugh at yourself, you got a problem. So I would just, <laughs> I'd join right in. I mean, you might as well. You might as well embrace it and have some fun with it. And that's the way I kind of, you know, kind of just live my life is let's just have some fun with it.
1: Now, what was your favorite nickname? Because there's, there's a ton of them. There's websites about it. Oh, What's your God. One? Yeah,
2: there's there's websites dedicated to him. Um, you know, I always used to say J Lo, just because I, okay. I I wanted Jennifer Lopez. I wanted to meet her.
0: <laughs> and I figured
2: that's my best chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they they were they were creative. I mean, that that was probably. I mean, it got to the point in New York where the, even the coaches were calling me J Lo. So I mean, that was just kind of that's the
1: easiest one. Now, now, you were involved in two of the most memorable U.K. games I can remember, the football ones. The Bluegrass Miracle, the 74-yard touchdown set. No, back no, back. listen. Back. you, you got to understand, if, in New York, I'm the only – there's no Kentucky fans up here. And I no. literally bleed blue. Like, on this show, I've interviewed uh, Cameron Mills, Derek Anderson, Couch. Every Kentucky guy I can possibly get, I'm getting. I'm obsessed with Kentucky. That's all. But, no, I'm obsessed. Like, my whole house, Kentucky – I've lost girlfriends, wives, everything over Kentucky. Now, those two games, the Bluegrass Miracle, and then the seven-overtime game, Arkansas. Two of the most memorable games ever. Which one was harder to stomach, basically? Uh, The hardest
2: one to to watch is LSU, because I'm an idiot and I dump a Gatorade on a coach that loses. (laughs) (laughs) The Arkansas one sucks, because there's so many opportunities to win that game and we just didn't convert. And that one, you know what, I'm, I'm honestly I'm proud of that uh, Arkansas game more than anything because, you know, the first seven overtimes shut up a lot of my uh, critics saying, oh, you can't make it, you can't play. You'll mm-hmm. never make it if you have to run the ball. Why well, ran the ball a ton in overtime and in the fourth quarter? So, I think that's shut everybody up. But the LSU game just I, – I can't even watch it. I, I – I still to this day get uh, heat on Twitter about it. And
1: Listen, it's a, last night when you tell me you were gonna do the interview, I, I'm you know I'm YouTube and you know I'm watching all these old games, and it comes up. I, obviously, I remember you were in the in that game with LSU. I never knew you were the one who dumped the Gatorade. And I saw it. I said, Oh come on, he's the
2: one who dumped yeah. the Gatorade. Up. Yeah, I uh, I caught a lot of grief from my buddies about that. And, and, uh, you know what? At some point, you got to learn to laugh at yourself again and. Uh, I'm not to that one on that yet. I just – man, it just uh, – I, I don't – I it just – we had that game and it was huge
1: uh-huh. and it would
2: have put us at 8-4 for the year. And
1: yeah. that, that 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 one hurt me the most. Okay. Just a couple more questions. Right yeah, now, little, off, little off subject. What is wrong – with not wrong because I don't want to come off like one of those typical no. U.K. fans. We won the championship last year. What's going on this year with the team?
2: I, You know – I. Man, bugs the living daylights out of me. Um, I think this team's just more selfish than the other teams.
1: See, that, that, that's um, what I said.
2: Yeah, they, they don't have the the <laughs> veteran. You know, last year we had Terrence you know, Jones. Uh, they, they, well, they, they, everybody loves Darius, and I think Darius did a great job in Terrence mm-hmm. and Lamb of kind of controlling the freshmen. This year we don't have that. Kyle's doing what he can, but, but tough. You know, I mean, with, to put that on a sophomore is just a little tough, and. We just we're, we just struggle. We're, we're a selfish team, and uh, kind of like what Coach Cal is saying, man, we just haven't bought into the way that you got
1: to play to win at Kentucky. Yeah, you so see, two years ago, or three years ago, when it was John Wall, Cousins, and Bledsoe, they bought in, but not fully. They bought in because they went to the Final Four, but when it came on the big stage against UConn, they still played selfish. Last year's team, right. Kid, Gil- Kid Gilchrist, Davis, they're like, listen, we're going to come here. And I remember Cal Perry was saying during the year, when they were ranked number one and they beat Louisville, he's like, "We're not that good." And he would keep saying, goes, "Yeah," and he goes, "They understand. They truly believe they're all going to the NBA after this year." He's like, "But they're going know like Kid Gilchrist shot like seven shots a game. They they bought in. No one was selfish. It's frustrating watching the team this year."
2: It, it's it, it is it really is. I mean, I'm I'm never gonna throw in the towel on a season because oh no, I never, mean, never. I, I'm bleeding blue more than anybody. And if even if the United team, damn it, we better win that too. But. <laughs> Um, you know, you just, it's just frustrating. You watch that Auburn game, and they win by 25 on the road, and then they go, it's like they, you know, they reverted back to two weeks ago when they were playing. I mean, it's just it,
1: frustrating and, right now. And, and that's what it is. You know, at the beginning of the year, I thought they were ranked a little high, but that was fine, you know, could just come off last year, it's a whole new team, but they came off so self, and you know what? Calipari preaches that with every – listen, don't be selfish. I'm going to get you guys to the NBA. Just don't, and they're being very selfish. It's frustrating. I'm getting mad just watching this year.
2: Well, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, they just – you know what? All I can say is take your licks on us now. For every mm-hmm. fan out there that hates you can't get us now because, God, next year we're going to be good. Oh, you, you know, you know it, we're just going to be so good.
1: Get it, us now. Our, yeah, that's it, that's it, all I keep saying. It's scary. You know, listen, we won the championship last year. So, now, of course, everyone's up here. Everyone up here is Duke fans. Every, You know, everyone's just a front-runner. Everyone loves Duke. And all my friends just like to give it to me. Real quick, I'll give you 92. I'm 10 years oh, old. Hold on,
2: now. Are these the friends that are listening that are Duke fans?
1: Oh, yeah, every one of them. They're texting me now. UK is horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> hey, hey,
2: now,
1: just real quick, though. Did you happen to watch the Duke game last night? Yeah, I, I, oh, they got blown out by. my How great yeah, is that? Yeah, I was just... <clears throat> Heart. Now, j- j- I'll tell you real, real quick, 92, all my friends, were all 10, 11, 12 years old, and they're all front runners rooting for Duke. So as a complete joke, a complete joke, I go there and root for Kentucky. I'm 11 years old. I know nothing about basketball. I know nothing about Kentucky basketball. I start rooting for them. It's late in your game. For some reason, and this is the God's honest truth, I told this story. When Cameron Mills called, we talked about it for an hour, like my heart broke, and I became a diehard Kentucky fan since then. I go to recruiting games, Everything. And all these Duke front-running fans, they win the championship last. We win the championship last year. They say nothing. This year they're all on top of me, and I'm like, we have the greatest, recru- greatest recruiting class ever next year. Like Dick Vitale said, ever next year it's gonna be the greatest five, six yeah. of all time. It's scary.
2: Well, I mean, they, you know what? They, Duke fans are kind of like Louisville fans.
1: Oh, ho- oh horrible! You, know,
2: you just kind of let them go in one year, and out another, and let them get their licks in while they can, and, and I. I just I ugh I I, I can't <laughs> do because it because man it i hate you doing have to
1: do it. Oh so they're horrible. I uh, listen, it's I ask this question to every person who calls. It's just a random question. Right now, you take your phone, who's the coolest person in your in your phone? But wait, before you answer that, right now we have a Derek Anderson from Kentucky has Michael Jordan in his phone and he's so far he's beat everybody. Oh, so yes, right now we, Jesus. Huh? Uh, yeah, we take Better your phone? I mean the freaking president. <laughs> yeah, we, we know like um, J- Josh Booty, you know Josh Booty from LSU, He had on um he had OJ's phone number, OJ's old phone number. So right no, now who's the coolest I, person in your phone?
2: I don't know. I mean I can I've got Eli's number.
1: Um that's that's unbelievable. That's one of the best that's the coolest one you can get. Yeah,
2: Mike. I, mean, well, I have him? I have him and I have uh, Yeah, I mean that's that's He's probably the coolest one.
1: Now, are you
2: still in touch with him at all, or nothing really? Uh, occasionally. I, when they came to Cincinnati uh, mm-hmm. this year, I went over and talked to them all, and I'm actually really good friends with uh, Chase Blackburn.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
2: Yeah, we talk all the time, and um, we actually uh, we lived together for, damn, just about three years. The whole three years we were, up, I was up there.
1: Oh, wow. That's and, pretty
2: good. Uh, oh, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Love mm-hmm. His whole family, his kid's great. And, um. So, yeah, I keep I keep up with them as much as I
1: possibly can. Now, your your contract, what's the first thing you bought with your contract? I'm always curious what people do with their money with the first thing you bought, purchase. the first big purchase you made. What did you, what'd you get? I
2: got a uh,
1: blacked-out Chrysler 300. <sighs> Not bad. Now, listen, a couple more things. Right now, I was reading now, it says you're the commissioner of it. What are, what are you doing right now? What's your Renz <laughs> up to right now? Because I was reading it. I didn't understand I was, it. No, I was a
2: commissioner
1: uh, okay. For
2: an indoor league. Um, okay. But that was just was more of a face of the thing to do it. Um, did absolutely nothing for it. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, well, you want to be truth about it. Um, now I'm working with a uh, software company,
0: uh, okay. working with
2: in the medical field, trying because they all have to go paperless, so working with them on that and converting over. So not the uh, glamorous life, but absolutely loving it because I get to come home every day and I've got a uh, – 10-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old son that I get to hang out and play and with. You have,
1: and a, and you have with a normal that. life now, and you're not getting hit every day exactly. now getting concussions. Now listen, real quick, Bob Stoops, new UK coach, you tweeted that you're available. Have you heard anything from Kentucky at all?
2: No, no, no. I Well, I tweet that just – Yeah, you, I know. Anybody, anybody that follows me know I'm just – I'm a random tweeter, and oh, really? I, 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 cause a little, I stir up some stuff from time to time. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. It's hilarious. Oh, that's that's me. Uh, no, I haven't. I I went back there, and I've talked to him and um, they've invited us all back to kind of be more around, and I, that's all I want. I just want to be closer to the program, uh-huh. especially because uh, Patrick Tolls is there. Okay. And I coached Patrick for three years, so I know him really well, and i just uh. I want to go back and watch him succeed and, you know, kick ass in the uh,
1: SEC. Now, the cliché question, I'm just curious, who wins the Super Bowl, and who are you rooting for?
2: Uh, no real rooting interest, uh, okay. but I think
1: the 49ers are going to win. Okay. Now, last two things. You were obviously the big man on campus. You were a quarterback at Kentucky. The whole Manti Teo thing, do you believe that he was really catfished? And, like, my whole thing was – my, my best friend went to UVA. I was down there all the time with the football players. They can get any girl they want. Why is he online, finding girls in California, talking to them for months, not meeting them? Do, do you buy it you at all? As good as mine.
2: No, heck no. Something's up. Something's fishy about it. Um, you know, I, who am I? I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, let's be, I mean, if you want to be perfectly honest about it, let's see. If you're in college, you never once said, hey, let's Skype, hey, let's talk. I mean, come on. Uh, no, I mean, I- to be honest about it. Yeah, I mean, I know he's Mormon, and I, and I respect the religion. But mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're a college kid. You're, you're flying, you're talking Skype, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it just I think it was a publicity stunt that is blowing up in his face right now. That it's unfortunate too, because he's an amazing, amazing linebacker.
1: And this is all everybody's talking about now. So when the draft comes, no one's going to be talking about how good he is. It's going to be talking about this Well, this crap. I have so many more questions to
2: answer when they when they go to the combine and it's closed doors with NFL coaches and execs and everything, asking him and drilling him and drilling him and drilling him and, drilling him and then talk to each other about what responses they gave him. I mean, it's uh, he's in for he, this is nothing compared to what the NFL will uh, be asking
1: him. Oh, listen, Jared. Here's the last question for me. So when I was maybe around, I guess eight years ago, whatever it was, I get a number 22 Kentucky jersey. After this, I'm gonna text you. You're gonna send me your address. Would you sign the jersey for me? Of course. Now listen to this. So any every person who's I had like maybe 40 different athletes on the show. Every person I send the jersey to sends it back, personalizes it. You know the only person who didn't who didn't do it, I sent him Cameron Mills. He was on the phone with me for an hour and a half. We, oh, we, Cameron of all people. Listen, listen, listen. He actually had an explanation. So we talk, he, I, I tweet him. We, we talk for an hour and a half, just Kentucky basketball. He's going on and on. I'm like, listen, I'm going to send you a jersey. I order a, a custom Kentucky jersey. I, send, I hear nothing. It's like months. So I hit him up. He's like, I never got it. So I'm still waiting on the Cameron Mills. He's out of 45 people. Cameron Mills, the nicest man alive. The only one who never it, sent it, me it one package. The nicest being ever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's crazy.
1: Dude, I had a great time. I'm honored to even interview, man. Thank you so much.
2: Hey, absolutely. Anytime, man. Hit me up and, uh, you know, we'll talk some more.
1: I definitely will listen. So when you hang up, just uh, just hit me up your address. I'll send you the jersey out tomorrow. Say it again. I'm sorry, but you could yeah. it now. Yeah, just hit me up uh, with your address. I'll send you down the to jersey tomorrow. Yeah, good, brother. Bro, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Have a good night. Jared Lorenzen, how cool is that? This is why, obviously, I have another job. I really think this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Since I was little, I've always wanted to be a sports talk radio host. Obviously, I didn't do that. So around a year ago, I mess around, and I start, and I get to interview, literally, like, guys I idolized. Like, I always say Tim Couch and Rick Meyer. Those are always number one and number two. But, like, Jared Lorenzen, I watched every game when he was at Kentucky. Every game. I have a 22 jersey. It's like... It's just surreal talking to these guys, but awesome show. We don't have any time left. I really want to get into the Manti Teo thing. And wait, I'll tell you why Jared Lorenzo was one of the best guests ever. Every person I've ever interviewed, besides Canty and Schaub, every single everybody else said, hey, if you have any controversial questions, just give me a heads up beforehand. And I'll be honest, a lot of them said they didn't want to talk about it. Uh, like the coolest guy, like Josh Booty was the coolest. He was arrested and tased and... Crazy lawsuits with the police, and he's like, yeah, everyone said yes, but a few people said, oh, don't talk about that, don't talk about this. My wife, when I told Jared, I'm like, hey, I have the questions, I'm going to ask you about Manti Teo, and he's like, oh, I don't want to know any questions, just don't worry about it. Just one of the coolest guys ever, but listen, I had a great time tonight. Everyone was listening. I know a lot of people, I do this all the time. There's like seven people on hold who called in. I don't really want to put everyone on the phone because I don't have a phone screener, because I don't have any money to pay for a phone screener, and LB's too lazy to come over and phone screen. So I don't want to put people on the air and then them say stupid stuff. So anyway, great show. We have Homer Bush coming up from the Yankees. And it's going to be really fun because he was on ESPN's 30 for 30, the broke edition, and he was all fired up that he was like portrayed that he's broke and he's trying to tell me he's not, but we'll see what's up with that. And I'm trying to get Kenny Bigelow. He's the number one high school player in the country. That's weird, me proposition high school players to come on my radio show, but he's going to USC, and we're trying to get him on. He's going back and forth. He thinks I'm going to, I guess, sabotage his career, which whatever. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a good night. It's a good life.